Welcome to the Vying for Victory podcast, where we believe God heals people in the way that brings Him the most glory and brings us closest to Him. Whether you've received healing, you're in the fight of your life, or you gave up on God a long time ago, you are welcome here. As you come to the table, listen with an open mind, knowing everyone's journey is unique, but pain is our common language. Let's vie for victory, friends. Hello and welcome to the Vying for Victory podcast. My name is Tara Bradham Denai. I am your host and today I get to introduce you to an amazing man. His name is Elijah Scheidler and you might be familiar with some of his work if you've been to Heal or looked at our Heal website. If you haven't, you need to head to thehealretreat.com, check out the videos. He is the one who engineered those and helped bring those to life, which we just could not be more grateful for. But he is here sharing his story with us, so I don't want to spoil too much, but I will just say every time I talk to Elijah, I end up wishing I had it recorded and I had taken notes. So now finally, I have a conversation recorded with him that you get to listen to as well. He went from losing two of his greatest passions in life, piano and bodybuilding, which that's fun to figure out as well in a matter of months. And then we also talk about just how he was healed from torn hamstrings miraculously, how he still has built strength up, everything in between. If you're not intrigued, you should be. It's amazing. Here you go. Here is Elijah Scheidler. Elijah, you were sitting here already ministering to me before we started this conversation, so I'm super excited for just everything that you have to share today. So welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And for a lot of people who know, have been following Vying for Victory, the Heal Retreats, you are the face, the creator (laughs) behind our videos. Yeah. Well, maybe not the face. Yeah, the ladies that gave the testimonies, they're they're the talent. I just capture it. Yes. Yeah. The, the minds behind yeah, all that, the, the hands, yeah, maybe. Yeah, the hands that make the video, totally, which yes. has been so fun. It's good yeah. to hear their stories. So. Yeah, so we have more coming, but if you haven't seen that, you should go to thehealretreat.com mm-hmm. and see Elijah's work. Yeah, we just just finished up. I yes, Maddie's. Yeah, so we yeah. finished up the most recent one, which is awesome. Yeah, I don't know when we'll post it, but yeah. stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. Coming soon. Yes. Uh, so is that your big dream, that you're actively pursuing from the Lord? Is that new? How did that come about? Yeah, I think it's, it's been, I'd say like a, oh boy, seven, eight year dream. <laughs> uh, it was birthed a long time ago and then just pursuing it over time, letting it grow, letting God give it to me versus working for it. But the ultimate dream is just inspiring people to know our Father's heart and realize the destiny that they have on their life. And video, I think it integrally helps us serve to give a really wide platform to be able to do that. So I like video, I like the Mm -hmm. creation aspect, I'm very creative, but I think mostly the real dream is having a platform contained within video to be able to tell people who they are in God and see them live that out. Yeah, and now that dream is not something that you're like, woohoo, it's happening and I'm like, Crazy platform. So tell people mm. for someone maybe pursuing a dream that they're like, man, I'm still having to work three other jobs and oh, man, tell yeah. them a little bit what you're doing Yeah. other than that <laughs> while that's in your heart. So full time. Yeah, yeah. Did my wife tell you to talk to me about this? <laughs> <laughs> so I work full time as a real estate agent. So practice real estate, help people buy and sell properties. So no, it's not exploded. I think I have like 34 followers, get anywhere from two to 20 views per video. Um, On YouTube. Yeah, on YouTube. Uh, So yeah, work 40 hours plus a week and then do the video on the side, trying to grow the dream. But I think that process of growing the dream is listening again, what is is God saying over your life? Hmm. Um, Holding on to his declaration and kind of like Joseph where he went through like the pit, the prison, to mm-hmm. on his way to the palace, that when you're in that prison state where you're like, man, nothing is lining up with anything of what God has said about the destiny of my mm-hmm. life, not to forget your identity and destiny in him mm-hmm. and rule in the prison. Like that doesn't, mm. like it doesn't make sense. Like yeah. I, I try to put my life on pause and just say, just can the vision, this is super hard, is not growing. 
but really seeing that that character with God where you get a hold of what he said about you and you believe that it's true regardless of the pushback Mm -hmm. and that's what grows you down gives you the roots that are deep enough to sustain the upward growth of when God Mm. causes it to flourish. So in the midst of that process, I guess encouragement to people who are like, this is my dream. Like go for it. Grace is not opposed to earning, but to effort said Dallas Willard. Um, So it's grace that Mm. empowers us to be able to exert all the energy of Christ. So, Mm. so currently working super hard as a real estate agent. How many kids? Three little kids, all under the age of five. So Asriel is four and a half. A half is super important to her right now. <laughs> She's like, and a half, dad. Kailani's two, and then Bowden is about three months, little okay. boy. So. And then just for people to know, reference-wise, how old are you? Uh, just turned 40, uh, August 13th. So I just so. love it. It's like, it doesn't matter if you're not 20 anymore, right? Like God is still putting new, fresh things in your heart. 100%. Or developing things that have been yeah. there a long time oh totally yeah and so like yeah and i hope continue pushing like even when i'm old i think just in god's declaration through the prophet joel it says that your old men will dream dreams hmm. that dreams are a vision of the future that you will not have any participation in hmm. but that old men by the spirit have the capacity to have vision for the future and set trajectory for a community even in old age that they never yeah. Never die out. So hopefully keep dreaming clear until I hit the grave. So how are you going to keep yourself from burning out by that time? Mm, great question. I think about this. I'm like, man, I want to be that 80-year-old like on fire for Jesus. Uh, I don't know that I think retirement is a in the Bible, at least not spiritually, mm-hmm, right? right. Um, but if you're going to get there... I mean, 80 is still 40 years away for you, (laughs) still 50 years away for me. What are we going to do to be this on fire for the Lord by Uh, then? Because I think it starts now. Oh, 100%. To overflow, right? Instead Mm -hmm. of keeping on pouring out. Yeah. Great mentor, Fred Nelson, said, if your input doesn't match your output, your upkeep will be your downfall. How do you remember these quotes? (laughs) I have very good mentors. They speak these moments of wisdom. They plant things in me and and they grow. So, yeah, if your input doesn't match your output, your upkeep will be your downfall. Hmm. And so I think sitting and abiding in Christ, he said, if you abide in me, my word abides in you, you will bear much fruit to my father's Hmm. glory. And so I think with being a visionary, I think in a world context, I wake up every day thinking about the world. I have a population meter on my phone that tells you the current Hmm. growing population of the world. And I just sit there and pray and watch it go up. Um, Wow. Wow. So I think about um, the world. Yeah, when I touch it, it moves me. Um, So I think living in that context of vision, one of the difficulties is staying rooted and abiding because I I get desperate. So I start striving rather than just abiding. And so I think maintaining that passion for years so that when I'm 80, I'm still like, charge and have the energy to do it and don't yeah. die at 60 yeah. <laughs> is a process of every day getting up and staying rooted in what is truly my heart's passion is the heart of Christ. Yeah. Um, just resting in him and allowing that infinite and intimate input of his person flow into me. That's my input. And that gives me then infinite and intimate output. Hmm. And then I can upkeep hmm. that. It won't be my downfall. I'll just keep chugging away, abiding in Christ, producing much fruit to my Father's glory. What does rest practically look like? Like on a Tuesday this morning when you're taking your kids to get shots and then coming here for an interview and then working, like what what does that look like for someone who's like, great, cool, rest in the Lord. Like, hmm. true that. Well, (laughs) as you know, I was late by 30 minutes because everything got <laughs> shoved off at the doctor's appointment. I hate being late. I'm very conscious of time. I want to be a good steward of it. So then when mm. I'm late, I was all sorts of anxious. You know, I was at home. All of a sudden, I started skipping to my opiate of social media to distract myself from the fact mm. that I was freaking out about being late. And I was like, wait a second. This is 30 minutes that I can spend with my girls mm. snuggling and reading books. Wow. And so... 
like I, I chose to just say, I surrender this. This is outside of my control. And so I'm going to choose to orient myself in Christ because rest is, it's an, I often fall fallacy to the fact that like rest is doing nothing. Uh, but that rest is the intentional engagement of the acquisition of resources to be effective within vision. I'm probably going to be the person who reminds that, hits the 30 seconds back and listens to that about five times. <laughs> so like it, it, saying yes to one thing is saying no to another. And so by saying yes, so like I, again, I operate in a large context of vision. There's just things flooding my mind all the time. And so resting is it making a conscious choice to, to root yourself in your true energy source. Hmm. So like I was freaking out, like what is Tara thinking? What is Jacob thinking? They're high capacity people. I'm wasting <laughs> their time. Um, oh my gosh. And so like thinking about you guys and your orientation and then feeling that stress. And again, like I was, I was choosing that, but then saying, wait a second, what's true in God? What's my identity in yeah. him? And so then, making that conscious effort to just rest in him abide and say what is true about me what is jesus saying yeah and now flowing into the space i'm like very rested i'm like let's kick this conversation encourages me that's just such an amazing example of just practical reality right and what's funny is i'm looking behind you we're in my kitchen right now and we have a whiteboard that we write on and so i'm reading this book by beth moore called chasing vines and it's all Mm. about the vine and abiding in the vine Mm. and Uh, What she said is that, and I didn't realize this, but actually true real life, how grapes grow is they like rocky soil. Hmm. And that if there's not rocky soil, they'll just expand because they don't think that it's their permanent home. So they're going to go try to expand, grow Mm. more. But if it's rocky, they're going to reproduce so that their seed can then fall somewhere and grow. So I'm looking over there. I wrote on my whiteboard, love the rocks. They produce fruit. Oof. That is deep. Wow. I want to really want to chase that. <laughs> you can chase it for a little bit. You, yeah. Do you have rocks in it? Well, in your I, life right now? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Just like, you know, I'm 40. So I hit that 40 mark. And it wasn't really that big of a deal. Like there's not that emotional response. Like, oh my gosh, I'm 40. And feeling like an undue weight. But like really considering like I'm halfway to 80. Mm. Like, wow, that's intense. And so some of those things, my rocks are... Uh, questions about am I living a valuable life like am I accomplishing what God has for me to do and then I start looking at my resources where is my resource pool like I don't have you know massive bank account I don't feel like I have a lot of expendable energy with my kids and my family and work and so really I think kind of processing in the moment I think the rock could be defined as unbelief like I don't believe that God is powerful enough to work in the everyday and so then that gets in the way of me pushing my roots down. I'm always thinking about, I'm going to send my roots out to that over there. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going, to, I'm going to go seek that soil over there. I'm going to go seek that soil over there. Instead of saying, Isaiah talks about plowing up the untilled ground, like pull up those rocks. Uh, and I think a lot of times rocks can even be issues of sin in my life. And so really saying, no, God has planted me here and there's rocks everywhere but I'm going to shove my roots down like rocks get out of my way or I will pulverize you to sand, you know, like thresh the mountains and level them out. So like, yeah, hearing about that fruitfulness, <laughs> like they grow best in rocks. Mm-hmm. That's adversity. Mm-hmm. And so I don't personally, like when I hit adversity, I want to run away because I'm like, yeah. that's painful. It's hard. It takes perseverance. But really get just seeing Jesus in that context of John 15, that he's blessing us. And there's like that below the surface mm-hmm. message that he's preaching of like, bless the rock. Consider it pure joy mm-hmm. yeah. whenever you face trials of many kinds. So, yeah, that's tearing me up. I really want to chase it for the rest okay, of the well- time. You can chase that on your own or later, but uh, you, uh, we got to get to some of your story because it's incredible, but you made me think of, I sent you some questions. You just sent me your brainstorm back and my response, how I want to respond to that is, that's great. How can I serve you in that? Mm. Do you know that that was one of your answers? Yeah. I said, what would you say to someone who's questioning God's goodness amidst their physical pain or trial right now? 
And you said, great work. How can I serve you? Yeah. <laughs> Which I think was more my response just from my own experiences that... Uh, just, I love that. Well, great work. Think, good yeah. job questioning. Yeah, good job. I think, and I think that's maybe where my process in working through my own pain, that I was afraid of it for a long time. Hmm. That I thought that by going to God, I, I knew how I felt about my pain and my process. And I was very angry and confused. And honestly, I was like questioning God's goodness. If you say you're good, then why is all of this happening? And I'm really doubting whether you're not, you're good. So mm-hmm. prove yourself. But I think because I'm part of my faith tradition, I grew up in a very like evangelical conservative mm-hmm. culture that where you just didn't question. It was all about the sovereignty of God. You mm-hmm. just accept it. That I felt like somehow if I took that to God and voiced that, that somehow I was being heretical or blasphemous. And so I had to work through that process to where finally I just got so angry. I didn't care anymore. Like strike me with lightning if you want, but I'm going to tell you how I feel. And so once I got to that place, I found a very loving father. I broke myself on him through that process uh, very gently, but that he, he welcomed me in that. He's like, thank you for finally being honest and raw. Like, thanks yeah. for showing up. Yeah. So I think getting through that process and getting to see the loving arms that met me, that then engaging another person where they're just, they openly say, I'm doubting God's goodness. I don't know where I'm at with him right now. I'm so confused and hurt. Great job. Yeah. Like, thank you for trusting me with that statement. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm so honored. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And touch that element of pain and, you know, that someone would trust you enough to say, you know, I'm shaken in everything that I believe is true about God. And then out of that hearing that God is able to hold that person, uh, that they're not going to be lost. That's my fear. Mm-hmm. But really say, wow, God, you don't lose anyone. No one can be snatched from your hand. Mm-hmm. And this person is going to go down through the mud and the muck until they hit bedrock. And once they hit bedrock, nothing is going to stop this person. And so that statement is not flippant, like, you know, great work, you know, good yeah. job, great work. Uh, but truly affirming and just saying, great work. Mm-hmm. Like you are going to find your provision in the midst of enemies in the darkness. You're going to find Jesus hiding in the shadows. And once you get a hold of that in the valley of the shadow, whew, nothing is going to stop you. Yeah. So how can I comfort you? And walk with you in that process to ground zero, to rise with you in joy. Hmm. But I, I think, I don't know. I don't think that's a usual response to no, that. No, that's why yeah. I, I loved it. Yeah, it's like, I'm questioning God's goodness. Like, how dare you? You know, which has been my experience. And I don't know if that's everybody's experience. But yeah, definitely not a flippant answer. But for no, sure encouraging no. people. Like, great job. Like, how can I serve you? What can I do? Yeah. I feel like there's a level of God's character that you don't get to if you don't question him. Hmm. 100%. I mean, I, I had to reach that place. I believe mm-hmm. you did too. Oh, absolutely. That's Okay, yeah. let's go there. Yeah. When What brought you <laughs> down tell, to... Tell the story. Yeah, yes, contextualize. Your bedrock and the foundation of God. And then I'm sure there are other things in your life. Yeah. But specifically today, just talking about... A couple, let's go to bodybuilder and piano. And <laughs> wait, wait a second, how does that match up? How did those match up? How did God develop that in you? And then we'll go from there. Yeah. Well, the piano thing, I think, is the, was the easy one. The first time that I remember hearing pianos at three, my family would go to, I was born in Indiana, so we'd go to the Fort Wayne Philharmonic. And we were sitting like three rows back, and this gentleman played Tchaikovsky's Piano Concerto Number no. 1, B-flat minor, which is... Type it into YouTube, be inspired, listen to it. Uh, but it just captivated my little little heart. I just something about it resonated with my person at three, mm-hmm. and so from that time on, just I always wanted to play piano. It was just music was in me, I wanted out. So went to college. I have a music degree. Few people know that as part of the story of the one rap. But went to college, uh, started studying music, and then as a process of that, I had tons of expendable time. I was living on campus. And found the weight room, and I was like, hey, what are these weight things? Um, <laughs> so the piano was, I think, innate from God, like something that he destined me to do. 
weights was a response to poor body image. I'm six foot seven and a half for those who are listening. <laughs> it's that half inch that makes me look tall, I tell people. Yeah. Um, so I'm very tall. So it was six foot by the time I was uh, 12 years old. Wow. I was always like super skinny. So I was always way taller than my peers. So that intimidated them. But that was incredibly immature. So the people that was the same size as are like, dude, we don't want to hang out with you because you're so immature. So being pinched in that place, then I, I grew up with a lot of insecurity, felt very isolated. So once I got to college, then found that I had a high growth capacity for muscle. So it came very easily and it gave me a, a large sense of self-worth as being able to bodybuild and be very strong. So one side passion, one side insecurity. Hmm. Uh, but both of those were my my identity was very intricately tied to both of those mm. um, being the sensitive musician but then also like the beastly yeah. weightlifter yeah. Uh, i liked having that prowess um so pursued both of those and then my junior year uh, lost both in about the span of a three-month time so the first one was piano uh, during my junior piano recital, like in the crescendo of my final piece, a neurological disorder manifests itself in my right arm. Uh, I lose control of my uh, second and fourth finger. Uh, it feels like it's neurological, so it feels like you plug in a heating element between my wrist mm. and my elbow. So searing pain, uh, and then I lose control. And you didn't have any problem before None. literally the finale of... Your performance. Mm-hmm. Last piece. Uh, the timing was, of that. I, mean, I know. Is that? <laughs> Which, I know. I've processed a lot with God. I think some of it is His grace. You know that I was able to finish, kind of that zenith of expression. Mm-hmm. So I'm like chugging into the finish. My finale it like fell apart, and it was you know wrong notes everywhere. And it was kind of because you couldn't move two fingers. Yeah. So at that level, you can't think about what you're doing like you'll trip yourself up so you just flash mm-hmm. it in you don't think you just go it's kind of like the inner game of tennis as mm-hmm. you know as being a swimmer you know like, yeah. if you think about it yeah you'll trip yourself up yeah. so yeah so wrong notes just start flowing out everywhere and i was two pianos four hands so my professor was playing with me and she's was just looking over at me as best mm-hmm. she could I'm like what are you doing i'm looking back i'm like i don't know like it's not working mm-hmm. and it never happened like nothing and just something triggered at that moment hmm. so lost that and it to this day it's still there so from that moment forward and then three months later then I blew out my rotator cuff in my right arm and found out that my L5 is actually in three pieces from a horse accident when I was a kid wow. but had never manifest so pulled my back and blew my rotator cuff then like three months after that so I lost bodybuilding and music, which were both integral to how I thought of myself. And my whole world just fell apart. Were you a Christian at this point? Yep. Uh, I was a Christian. But I'd say, like, I, I gave my life to Christ so young, like, I can't even... I remember sitting on my bed praying with my mom, but, like, I never didn't know God in His presence in my yeah. life. But I, I think just growing up in that culture, I had never made it my own. Mm-hmm. Wrestled with a lot of... Uh, like sexual sin, pornography, that kind of stuff. I wanted to live a sinful lifestyle. Yeah. Like I wanted all the pleasures of sin, but I wanted the reputation of Christian mm-hmm. culture. Mm-hmm. So I was pinched in that place of lack of integrity. Mm-hmm. So at that time, yeah, definitely called myself a Christian. I believe I was saved, you know, yeah. and that I was in that place with the Lord, but that I, there was that brokenness that needed to come. So, so all this that was the apart. breaking. Oh, it was totally the breaking. Yeah, and I can look back on it now, and I bless God for what he did. Like, in listening to a lot of your podcasts, everybody's story is different. Everybody's yeah. journey is different. Yeah. Um, and, but in my journey, my story, that God asked me, looking back, like, in what you've learned of me and my nature through this process, if you could go back mm-hmm. and you could still be, you know, massive, lifting weights, throwing on huge weights, performing for a career would you take that back over me mm. no yeah. not at all uh, i look back and it's still painful obviously i think that's where the tears come from you know i i still miss piano yeah. you know it resonates in my heart that's a loss mm-hmm. but looking back and seeing what god did 
as a result of that brokenness, I would not give up my perspective and insight and intimacy with him that came through that, how he redeemed it. Yeah. There's no way I'd go back on that. So um, how did he redeem it? What I mean, did you hit rock bottom? Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you're losing both sides of your identity, right? Mm-hmm. Good and bad. Mm-hmm. 100%. So, yeah, I was suicidal uh, at that time. I didn't have, again, I didn't have a safe community. Mental health, like mental health issues were looked down on in my family yeah. and my community. If you're depressed, it's like, just get out of bed. Like, stop being wimpy. You don't need medication. Just yeah. stop being dumb. Um, like, the Lord will, I don't know if you got that in church. But mm-hmm. 100%. I think it's a very complex very. thing. Sometimes people get delivered instantly from mental health. Oh, um, and it's just and, so beautiful. Yeah. Um, but then there's... That's one side of grace. Yep. And then the other side of grace is God's sustaining power yeah. to stand up under it. Mm. And I think when you juxtapose those right next to each other, so you have one person that just cries out to God just to get out of bed in the morning. Mm-hmm. And they're sitting in the chair right next to a person who was in that place but was just immediately delivered. Mm-hmm. But both people bless one another and say, great job questioning God's goodness how can I serve you? Hmm. And they sit right next to each other, that that juxtaposition of God's sovereign dispensation of grace actually bears glory to him Hmm. and destroys the world of darkness because darkness is like, there's no way that those two people should be blessing one another. They should be envious. They should hate each other. They should question God's goodness, right? right? But when both people say, hey, this is God gives according to his goodwill. That he dispenses he dispenses grace according to the measure that he foresees it, and that when both of those people sit in who God is and they bless one another and God, mm. that absolutely destroys worlds of darkness. Yeah, just in that sitting and blessing. And so, mm. I wasn't immediately healed of that. And I think my community, I think the difficult part was though uh, that I walked through that alone because mm. I didn't feel the freedom. I, if I would have went to my family or my community and just say, hey, I'm wrestling with suicidal thoughts, I'm incredibly depressed, uh, I need help, that would have, I wouldn't have found it. Uh, the, my experience, I might have, I don't know, I can't answer that fully, but my yeah. experience had taught me, you'll be shamed, like mm-hmm. that won't be accepted. It'll be harder if you do that, so you're, you're better off doing it alone. Yeah. Um, so I went to that place, had three very logical so I tested three hypotheses, like four processes hmm. is kill yourself, live all for Jesus, like stop riding back and forth, or just completely go to the world, do drugs, sleep around, just go off the deep end, medicate. Yeah. But I'm like, man, each one of those has long-term ramifications. Yeah. So I gave each each decision two full months of considerations and pros and cons. Um, Acting in them or just... Uh, yep so i'm like uh because like man if i go and jump into the world and just go all out and lose my reputation that mm-hmm. i built in the church that's toast mm-hmm. so there's that religiosity but then i was like if i give myself to christ and just go all in for him you know then i i'm gonna have to completely forsake all of these desires to walk in the world i gotta make a commitment and if i kill myself it's kind of permit i can't come back from that yeah. So I ordered them in in ascendancy of most lasting effect. So I was like, well, I think I'm going to go with, go all in for Jesus. Hmm. And then if that doesn't work, then I'll descend one. I'm just going to go into the world. And if that doesn't work, then I'm just going to off myself. Um, So I ordered them in ascendancy. But I was like, I'm going all in. And did, went all in on Jesus and never came back. Wow. So... Yeah. Also, I'm just sitting there thinking like the people surrounding you or like how many people are walking on the street and that apparently took you six months or mm-hmm. more, right? To go through those yeah. three, two months at a time. So yeah, I'm just like, you could be interacting with someone who's in month three of that process, right? Like you have no idea when you're running across no someone. Yep. That's insane. Which, I think just celebrating and I've reconciled with a, a number of them, but I think it speaks of destiny that there was the man of the Gadarenes and he was oppressed of a legion of demons hmm. so externally his community was like we need to bind him you know like there was brokenness there like they abused him he ter- he terrified them and tormented mm-hmm. them but jesus saw through all of the mess and saw a man of destiny 
who had a destiny to rule over a ten city region. Mm. But the demonic knew that, and so they dogpiled that man yeah. and was dr- driving him into isolation, self harm, trying to to suppress him or get him to kill himself. Yeah. To short him out of that destiny, and so I think through my process, you know, there was a number of times where God was breaking through. You know, I was coming to these amazing revelations of His goodness and His glory, and was being refreshed. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I have to tell somebody, and so I'd I'd break mm-hmm. out and be like, Did you know about God? Like, this is amazing. He's yeah. healing me in this intimate place, and I had some very key people. Um, and again, we wrestle not with flesh and blood, mm-hmm. and I forgive them, but just lashed out at me in those moments hmm. of severe pain. And man, like the people that can wound you the deepest are the people that you love and are connected to the most. Yeah. And so darkness, man, they operated on some key people in my life during that six-month period that just about kicked me back over the edge. Hmm. Um, but I think celebrating and like, so now moving forward and like getting to look through other people's processes is that Jesus with the demoniac looked past the nakedness. The man was naked Mm -hmm. and bleeding and screaming, but Jesus just walked up to him and put out a hand and said, hi, what's your name? You know, I think a lot of people teach about that and they're like, he was asking the demons for their name to have authority over him. He's Jesus. He doesn't have to ask nobody's name, yo. Be yeah. like, get up out of there. I have to yeah. call you by name. So I think there is some application there. But I honestly believe that Jesus was reaching out to him in his loneliness and hurt. That everybody had just violated him for years. Mm-hmm. And that Jesus was coming along and just saying, hi, mm-hmm. what's your name? Like, I want to honor your freedom to tell me your name. Hmm. I just want to meet you. How are you? And so I think through that, I think some of the responses I got, maybe reactions, was out of some of my screaming and my mm. bleeding and hurting. Yeah. And so people were just like, ick. And so they kind of came at me with claws out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think through that, seeing the destiny that's on my life, that darkness was trying to push me over the edge to get me to kill myself because they don't want me to live out what God has in me. Yeah. But I think through the process of experiencing that as the bleeding, naked, screaming man mm-hmm. that was in a lot of pain and getting to meet Jesus, that helps instruct me then with people who are in pain, like they're just screaming and they don't understand. You can't bind them. They're just out of their mind in pain and confusion to ask him for grace to see through all of that to the person yeah. that's inside and call them out and say, what, what is your name? What is your identity in wow. Jesus? So, yeah, very, very, very difficult uh, on the side of my pain, though. My community was not, not helpful. Yeah. Uh, so. Well, and if you take it a level deeper, because I didn't realize this until a couple of years ago, Jesus literally took his disciples across, I don't know what it was, Sea of Galilee? Um, water. A body of water. The big, the big blue wet. Red thing. Sea? I don't know. <laughs> Geography. It's fine. Yeah. Um, one of those. and But only for him. So you mm. don't realize, like, after that, they literally just turn around and go back. That was mm-hmm. it. That was it. For they literally man, only right? went there for him. Mm-hmm. And so just if you feel like you're on an island, mm. I mean, you're still not invisible to no. God. Jesus is He's in a cave, like, bound by people. Yeah. And Jesus, Jesus is, like, on the boat, like... Uh. Oh, the heat of his passion. Goodness gracious. Like he's, yeah. he's come to seek and save those who are lost. And I think that's what's so encouraging to me. It's some of those verses that really encouraged me in my process that God is near the brokenhearted. Mm-hmm. That, that there's this thing where when you're brokenhearted, like Jesus runs to brokenness. And so like that man, he sailed clear across that ocean through a storm. Mm-hmm went through abuse of his disciples. Like they yeah. started kicking him. They're like, dude, don't you care if we die? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> you know, he, he put up with, um, like the opinions of other people and he sailed all the way through that storm just to get to that man. Hmm. And so I think that element of Jesus that he, he will fight through the storm. Yeah. That I honestly believe that the storm that came up on the waves, so like Jesus, you know, jumps in the boat, 
goes to sleep and they face the storm, like my brain's turning. Come back, brain. Simple thought. Uh, the 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 storm, I believe, was demonically inspired, was being hmm. released from that man. Hmm. But that Jesus spoke. It says that he rebuked the winds and the waves, and he silenced it. He said, "Quiet, be still." In those two words in the Greek, he silenced it and then stuck a muzzle on top of it. So he caused hmm. involuntary muteness, and then stuck a muzzle on the darkness. And so I think that image of Jesus, then in my storm, I was I was creating a massive storm. Hmm. You know, I doubted God's goodness. I was just screaming at him. I finally got to that place where I'm like, I don't care anymore. Not being polite about this. Much swearing. Much anger. Many tears. Just raging in the face of God. You know, like insulting him, screaming at him, fighting him. But that I met Jesus who stilled the darkness hmm. that I had changed tons and tons of people were trying to bind me. So like the demonic, we're stuck on the demoniac of the gatherings now. Um, but that people, but hey. his community kept trying to bind him. That says yeah. they repetitively bound him with chains until they could no longer bind him. He'd just break him. And so Jesus then came to him gentle and just said, what's your name? And so I think that's one of the core lessons then that I learned through that process was my identity is in Jesus. Like mm-hmm. that is my identity, not weights, not music. And they're good. I still love them. Like yeah. I would love to do those again. So I haven't just said those are bad things, but that I learned that I was rooting my identity in those things. Yeah. And so Jesus is gentle like he he didn't run away from me hiding in the caves screaming bleeding chasing away my community that he sailed through my storm he charted a course to me mm-hmm. put out his hand and said what is your identity who are you um and i think through that storm then i think once i got to that place of surrender to him that eventually I asked the question and said, who do you say I am? Hmm. Like out of everything that I've messed up, everything that I've said to you, all the anger, all the confusion that I finally asked the question as I've been trying to define all of this, but who do you say I am? And he, interestingly, he said, you're my bride, which is a story for another (laughs) time. Like, that my masculinity, like yeah. I was wounded masculinity, but he's like, that he spoke to me. He's like, I'm your groom. He's like, and that you are beautiful. Hmm. Like that he came and that he affirmed my beauty in him and my identity in him. That I was attractive to him. He was pursuing me. He wanted me. and was fighting for me yeah. through all of that. And I'm like, dude, I'll go with you. I'll go with you anywhere. Please let me in your boat. Take me with you. Yeah. He's like, no, stay here and help other people. And then sailed away. <laughs> so, Gosh, this, this story is just I know, it's so like perfect. Giving and giving, right? Oh my yeah. goodness. So yeah, yeah, through that process, you know, that your question, you know, like, what did Jesus do in that? Like, he pursued me in all of that pain that he charted a course straight into the storm that I was creating. I was creating yeah. the biggest poop storm ever Mm -hmm. and he charted a course right into the middle of it and hugged me into healing Um, yeah hugged you into healing i love that Mm -hmm. so now you still have the nerve disorder Mm -hmm. i mean what do you do today like you miss piano Mm -hmm. how do you bring that to the lord today i mean what is this like 20 years after it happened Mm-hmm. So that would have been early 2000. So yeah, just about 20, 20 years. Um, oh boy, that's a great question. I like questions that sit me back. Yeah. I'm like, what? I think, I mean, I still just dabble in piano, like just for personal fun. So I play every once in a while. But I think just sitting with him and asking him, you know, still continuing to be honest with him. Like, I love piano. I've had dreams with him, are very powerful. Um, I love this question. It's like, it <laughs> absolutely sat me back. Uh, I had a dream with him. There was a, an angel in my dream that was playing this piece. And I was looking over his shoulder. 
And it was, it's to this date, one of the most beautiful pieces I've ever heard. Just, oh, it's crazy. And so I'm watching him playing it, and I'm just like soaking it in. Like when I wake up, I'm going to play this song. Mm. And I got to the end, and you know, and I'm like, just in the moment, I realized, oh, he's done playing. He's looking at me. And I looked at him, and, I, and he's like, do you have it? And I was like, yes, like, this is amazing. I'm holding on to it, like, you know, with everything that my physical mind has. Mm -hmm. And he just says, what you don't realize is that I just played the song backwards. Hmm. And I woke up, you know, like, bawling. I'm like, that much beauty? Hmm. And you played played it backwards and it destroyed my brain and I lost it. So, (laughs) because I'm like, what? That was all backwards? Ah. Um, And so those things exist in me. Like those are things Hmm. that God has planted in me that can only come out through piano, which is massively frustrating because I can't play anymore. Yeah. And so I think processing, like how do I hold that space with God? That now it's become a gentle place where we sit together and I let I let my requests and desires be made known to him. Like sitting on a porch watching a sunset together, drinking a glass mm-hmm. of wine. I'm like, you know, I with really, God. Yeah, yeah, with God. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I really I really enjoy piano and I miss it. He's like, Yeah. Thanks for telling me that. You know. He doesn't disregard it, um, but there's just a knowing that he's like, yeah, I know. I feel that. I feel that with you. You know, I'm like, yeah, I just, I was missing it. And I just thought I'd tell you, you know, mm-hmm. anything else on that? And he's like, nope, but we're here and I love you, you know? And so it's an interesting space to hold, um, like getting ready for the, interview I went back and listened to Tchaikovsky's concerto hmm. dang it <laughs> yeah I think sharing the mess with one another like you know being that three year old boy again just like transported to that place in time and I'm like feeling the resonance again like stirring it up like not running away from it hmm. but when things resonate like when it's on that resonant frequency, all you have to do is whisper and it'll move it'll move your heart. But not running away from it. Uh, just closing that room of my heart and just saying, I'm never gonna visit that again. Yeah. So like in that space that you know, it's like I still can't play piano. I mean I can, but then it, the fallout is really bad. Like three, three, four weeks, you know, I'll lose mm. control of my arm, it hurts. Wow. That's just that's not I can't do that to my family. It's just not wise choices. Yeah. Um, but to sit in that space, like, let this happen. Like, let the mess happen. You know, like, touch it. Yeah. Um, give that desire and that temporal frustration to him. And then just sit in it and just continue to be honest and say, hey, it's still there and it hasn't gone away. I don't know what you're doing, but I trust you in the mess. Yeah. Um, So, I don't know. It's the best processing I can do in the moment. Yeah, (laughs) no, I think it takes a lot of courage to continue to show up and give it to God. Because I feel like most people would say, you know what, God? I'm going to believe that you're good in all these areas of my life. You haven't given me this for whatever reason, and I'm just not going to think about it ever again. Mm -hmm. But to say, I don't know how often you do, but each Mm -hmm. week or each day or a month saying hey, God, I still want this, and I'm still going to feel this with you. Mm -hmm. I think that's something we as a culture do not do. Mm -hmm. Because, and I've had this where I am focused a lot right now on this journey of being content in all circumstances, right? Mm -hmm. Materially, experientially, like success-wise, relationship-wise, just everything. Mm -hmm. And that is in the Bible, be content in all circumstances. And yet... Like, God wants us Mm. to pray audacious prayers. He's, like, just Mm. waiting for us to ask him something where he actually has to lift more than his pinky finger and display his glory in the world. Right. Right? And so how do we balance these tensions of letting yourself feel it? Mm. But then also, it's sometimes I feel like it's like, man, I get my hopes up because I pray these audacious prayers and it hurts so much worse. I may Mm. as well not even get my hopes up. Yeah. Oh, man. Right? 
which I think, oh, on the way over here, I was processing being late with God. (laughs) (laughs) So I was just like, tell me about, I want to know, okay, tell me how to think about yourself. And other voices are like people, I think a lot, my brain runs continuously. So like those lies come in that are like, start accusing. And the thought was, so Solomon says that uh, with more wisdom, with more knowledge comes more misery. Hmm. And so I was like, I was testing that out with God. I'm like, if, if just knowledge of things and having deep thoughts and thinking a lot in and of itself was misery, then God is the most miserable being in the universe because he's omniscient. Hmm. So he has all the thoughts. He knows everything and all, all connects. So if, if that capacity in and of itself is misery, then God is the most miserable being in existence, which is not true. Yeah. And what his word was is that all of that knowledge is also coupled with his infinite power. Hmm. So like he is omnipotent. So he can pair that. And then it's just a matter of he has no needs. He's just creating out of a want-to desire. Hmm. And so at the end of time, it says we will know fully even as we are known. So... Again, there's like this pairing together right. of like all the thoughts. And so sitting with God and dreaming big dreams that I want to know God. He's infinite yet intimate. And so I sit with him. Like you said, asking for things that causes him to lift more than just his pinky finger. <laughs> like it's stupidity to pray in faith. It's like, no, it's impossible. Yeah. I mean, he's without ability. And so I think sitting with him as a little kid... My kids instruct me immensely. Like I come home and they draw me pictures and they're like, dad, this is you and me. You know, it's just like this scribbled picture. I'm like, no, what is it? They're like, explain it to me, please. And they're like, this is you, dad. And here's your eyes. And they show me what they made, but they're creating it out of their love for me. Hmm. They're waiting for me to come home and they're making this gift for me as best as they can. I swear that my highest thoughts when I get to heaven I'm going to be sitting on his lap and be like, Dad, while you was waiting for you to come back, I gave it all my artistic ability and I drew a picture of the reality <laughs> of the kingdom. And he's like, explain this to me, buddy. Um, and so I think sitting within that, so even, I think even in this thought is like demonstrating how my brain works. This is one thought, I promise you. <laughs> um, so in that place of praying audacious things with God, mm-hmm. is saying, Father, the secret to my contentment in nakedness or clothed, wholeness or brokenness, pain or comfort. I've learned the secret of contentment in all situations is saying, I want your heart and mind to be able to think about where I am in this journey Mm -hmm. as you are thinking about it. And I'm going to ask for these things out of your heart. So I'm not having received healing in my arm and I still have this desire to play piano mm-hmm. that there's the reality of heaven that there is no pain there's no brokenness we have our whole bodies like there's the resurrected power of Jesus saying that's the reality that you live in father but right now I'm experiencing something that is in contradiction to that yeah but then just sitting in that <clears throat> and saying father Teach me how to be a representation of you as you are. And I'm going to color the picture. Why? Because I love you. And when you come back, I'm going to have this beautiful picture that I made for you. Hmm. you know, and, and sometimes it's scribbly, you know. Yeah. But I think through that process of staying there and staying oriented to, I'm making pictures. I want my life to be a picture a representation of who God is as he is. I'm just going to get out another sheet of paper today and I'm going to draw another picture out of everything that I know with you up to this point. Mm -hmm. And so I think through that process, just staying in and then continuing to pray those audacious prayers Yeah. uh, through the process and not giving up. Like that's what creates character and character hope. Suffering gives birth to perseverance. Perseverance, character and character hope. Yeah. So suffering is the doorway on the pathway to hope. Oof. Like, and I'm going to walk through it. I'm going to have to turn away. Yeah. Okay, super direct question. Ready? Yeah. Do you believe you'll play piano in this lifetime? Again? In this life? Oh, to like where I was? Or just that you'll play again. 
or do you choose to believe? I just, I'm curious, like how, yeah. in, in that tension, well, here's this. Do you ask to play piano again? Yes, definitely. Absolutely. And I do play just like for my own amusement. Yeah. But not like for conferences and, yeah. you know, perform. I don't practice. I do ask. I continue to ask. Like every time I sit yeah. down at the piano, I'm like, could you just let this loose? Yeah. So yes, I do continue to ask. Well, because let's go to this story. Super cool. I don't know, within the past couple of years or something, your oh, hamstrings, mm-hmm. right? Tore yeah. both hamstrings and you were miraculously healed. Totally. So you have seen complete physical miraculous healing mm-hmm. and yet God doesn't heal your arm, which mm-hmm. is preventing you from what you feel is one of your deepest God-given passions. So why would God not heal something that is preventing you from pursuing something he put in you? Right. <laughs> Thanks for asking the easy questions. <laughs> which is so true, though. Yeah, I did. I tore it bilaterally, tore both my hamstrings at the same time. I did go back myself. and watch the video yeah, right before it happened. I know. Uh, yeah, and it, which I made a declaration in my video process and creating my videos. I made a declaration video of keeping your eyes centered on God when your life mm-hmm. is spinning out of control. I recorded it on a tire swing, which made people really sick and dizzy. I was um, fine if I, I kept my eyes on you. I know. If that's you look at me, if you look at the background, though. And that's the whole point. I know, totally. So I made that declaration like 20 minutes before doing that and then you know, tore both hamstrings, grade two, and then God healed it two days later, miraculously. Um, was it the 10th time someone had prayed or the 10th, 10th time that person had prayed? 10th, uh, that person prayed for me twice. Okay. So I got to his house, he prayed for me when I got there and then prayed two hours later as I was leaving and bam, hmm. so I received my healing. But yeah, t- I've been prayed for 10 times mm-hmm. by people who, you know, they, they were just like, God, you're sovereign, so do whatever you want. They're like declaring healing over me. It's like, God, you are a healer. We declare healing. Each time I would test the healing, mm-hmm. try to stand up out of the chair, be like, okay, I'm going to exercise faith. Nope, blinding pain that yeah. 10th time. I almost didn't test it the 10th time, but I was like, no, I'm going to you know, test it again. Yeah. And I stood up out of the chair and I actually was surprised. I was like, wait, what? What is mm-hmm. going on? Um, so supernatural miraculous healing i think so through that process of that healing god ministered to my heart a lot that i went to i had a a physical therapy appointment that was already scheduled in place so i went to that and you know the physical therapist her mind was just like twisted in knots you have Mm -hmm. blood pooling in your knee pits like how in the world are you able to move like you're moving you shouldn't be able to do that i'm like oh god heal me Mm-hmm. Um, and she could feel there's like scar tissue on my muscle. So she's like, yeah, definitely. You know, it's just very weak. So God healed me miraculously, but he didn't give me strength. Yeah. And so interestingly, as I get engaged that PT process, found out that my whole body is, I'm just a walking mess. Yeah. Um, that because of my back, my third lumbar is in three pieces. You understand this process. Yes. Like, I'm like, oh, I like, know. Oh, I know. It's like never ending. Like, whoa. Um, Everything's so, so connected. Yeah. So like my back was off. So then my hips were twisted and my left hip was tight. And that means I was holding my right shoulder back go too mm-hmm. high. Then my spine was like, you know, the, my curve was gone and I was just a mess. So she starts, uh, she called it the creepy neighbor because <laughs> I had to do it on my front step because I have steps in my house. So I'm just like <laughs> loosening this ligament in my hip. You know, with my arm above my head. She's like, this is your exercise for the next two weeks. Go home and do them. And I was like, hello? Like, okay, let me give you anatomy lesson. My hamstrings. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, if we don't if we don't adjust your whole body, you're just going to tear your hamstrings again. Like, we have to get your whole body in line, yeah. and then we'll strengthen your hamstrings. So through that process, as I prayed through, I was like, God, teach me. What are you, what are you doing in this? I believe that those two things are connected, that the healing that I got was an emotional, relational, spiritual healing. It was supernatural mm-hmm. back in the early 2000s when I lost weights and music. That God went in and he healed and restored me in him. But then I'm like, okay, that's wonderful, but mm-hmm. hello, did you miss the point? 
yeah. that I can't play. Like, it's in my arm. Yeah. Bro. Hello. Mm-hmm. You know, did you forget? He's like, I haven't forgot. Like, if if I just threw you back in full strength to piano and weights, mm-hmm. this healing that I gave you in your spirit, soul, emotions, you would re-hurt it. You yeah. would tear it open again. Mm-hmm. And so I need to keep working on your structure in heaven, the places with me, your character, to protect what I did in this place. Through that process then of my PT, we finally did get to my hamstrings mm-hmm. and started doing like hamstring strength, strengthening exercises. And so I think that tension then of I receive physical healing supernaturally mm-hmm. in my hamstrings, but my arm is still busted. Yeah. Like, again, if you're questioning God's goodness, great job. Like, that that doesn't match up. Yeah. And so I think watching, walking in that tension, though, then is saying, wow, you are a healer. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's beautiful. Continue to strengthen my life as we move towards this point in my arm. He's not unaware of it. Yeah. Um, and so just pressing in again. My goal is to become like Christ in all things. That mm-hmm. when we act like God, we're being most ourselves. Mm-hmm. That we're made in his image and likeness. Yeah. And so in that tension then, yeah, discovering discovering him in that tension. Yeah. So Mark Batterson's one of my favorite authors and he talks about a story he's had pretty severe asthma his whole life. Mm-hmm. And he actually was healed from it pretty recently, I think, because he did like a marathon to celebrate. But in his youth, I don't know if he's a teenager or whatever, he asked God for healing and he woke up and he had, I guess, warts on his feet or something mm. that he had for a while and they they disappeared. And he's mm. like, God, like, I know this is funny and all, but like, did you like, mm-hmm. thanks for healing my warts, but like, I asked you to heal my asthma, right? right? Like, did you get something in your ear? Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And he just felt like the Holy Spirit said to him, you know, Mark, I just wanted you to know that I was able, hmm. that I am able. Mm. And that in the context of healing, mm. I mean, if you rest in that of he's able, he healed your hamstrings miraculously. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, do you trust that his ways are higher than your ways, that mm. he is beyond comprehension, right? Because we say this here that our belief is that God heals people in the way that brings him the most glory mm. and in the way that brings us closest to him, right? If yeah. he had miraculously healed my shoulder, most mm. likely, I don't know, but people would probably have said, see, we told you. We told you you were making it up the whole time. We told you it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they go in and like, hey, by the way, your arm was degenerating inside of you, mm. like he'll turn that into a book, right? And so it's like, <laughs> right. which one is for your good? Mm. And so, but we just forget so easily. And so I'm looking that at that and I'm like, I have the faith in your life. I'm like, wow, like he must really have some purpose still for you to not have your arm healed. Mm -hmm. And yet we can look at it with our finite, man, that does not seem fair. How, how could you, why don't you just take the desire away? If you're not going to heal your arm, Mm -hmm. like at least just take the desire for you to play piano away. Yeah, Right. And it's like, but trusting, no, like he has, I don't know what it is, Mm -mm. but he has to know that that's, for your good and for his glory mm. more than being healed would be. That's right. Because I, I think through that process, I think biblical example has been super encouraging that Jesus walked back and forth past the guy that was at the gate beautiful mm-hmm. every day. It says he taught daily in the temple courts. Yeah. And then when Peter and John go and there's the guy and he says, silver and gold have I not, but such as I give to thee in the name of Jesus Christ, rise mm-hmm. up and walk. So that man was carried to the gate beautiful every day. Jesus went to the temple every day and maybe even instructed Judas, hey, go give that guy some alms. Mm-hmm. But Jesus didn't heal him. He just walked past him. Yeah. But then later, after Jesus had ascended, then Peter and John come along, boom, heal the guy. Yeah. And so looking at that, I think with you guys' credo of, like I'll paraphrase it back, but that God heals in the way that best ministers to the person and brings him glory. God, but he's in charge of that. Mm. Looking at that process and saying, Jesus, you have the power to heal the guy immediately, but you just walk past him. Yeah. And then you 
then Peter and John heal him, and then what the guy at the pool like heals him, but walks away and leaves everybody else who's surrounding the pool. Like, yeah. And so I think when I get wrapped up, that grace is illogical. Mm. Like it's not just. That's the basis of it. It's grace. Yeah. It's unmerited favor. And so, I think when I start making those judgments and evaluations based on that's not fair, you know, I get caught in that trap. Yeah. Then I lose the awareness of his goodness as a father that he knows like, you know, your through shoulder, he could have boom healed it in a mm-hmm. moment, but then they had his divine purposes and his goodness that he's like healing it in this way is going to magnify my glory in and through Tara way beyond just healing it in the moment. Like what? Yeah. And like my brain trips on that because my ways are not his ways. Yeah. So I think existing in that tension, that middle ground of like, he healed my hamstrings, but he hasn't healed my arm. I can't get my head around that. I I don't have all knowledge. Mm-hmm. We're just scribbling a little. Yeah, we're making our little scribbly pictures. This is me. And your <laughs> arms are coming out where your ears are. Yeah. And he's like, explain this to me. Yeah. What are you thinking, buddy? Uh, but the, the God of the universe would ask us for our thoughts in the beginning. Yeah. You know, we had broken relationship and. God came into the garden and said, Adam, where are you? Hmm. Like who is the, who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? God can't ask no questions because he's omniscient. Yeah. So God violated his infinite nature to make himself vulnerable to ask a question at the beginning that he would do that. Yeah. And that he comes to us in our pain and just says, Tara, tell me about your shoulder. Tell me about that dream of going to the Olympics. Hmm. Elijah, tell me about this desire of playing piano. Like, Elijah, why are you hiding? Yeah. You know, that he asks this question that God seeks to be with us and process pain Hmm. and say, you tell me, you know, that questions are invitations to intimacy, that he's not, he's trying to reveal his character. Elijah, where are you hiding is a statement of, I love being in your presence and I miss you. It's a declaration. Hmm. And so through that process of then saying, why did you heal my hamstrings, but not my arm? Or why did you wait till there's necrotic flesh in my arm to, what? Yeah. Um, But that he asks like, how do you, how are you doing with that? What? What a wonderful Hmm. God, how gentle. And so I think in that tension space then, between healing and not yet in that tension space i find a rampant area for questions and therefore invitations to intimacy with a god who wants to connect with me and share his heart yeah like what it's how do we get so lucky yeah it's crazy i'm still thinking about your known verse knowing as we are known i've never thought of that that way either mm-hmm. so sad but we uh-huh. are going to have to wrap up <laughs> a little bit. We could probably talk for five hours. Oh, we could totally. But before we go, has God brought something to your mind? Anything that you would like to share that we haven't touched on today? Mm. Oh, man. That's such a good question. I think just the character and the gentleness of Jesus. And it says he was a man of suffering, familiar with pain. Mm. And that he... Was, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but was in every way tempted as we are, and was yet without sin. Justification clause, so that hmm. we may find mercy and grace in our time of need, that we can approach boldly to the yeah. throne of grace. So I think for those who have experienced pain and haven't been healed yet, they're in a process, or you know, wherever they're at in that, that the character of Jesus is one, that he was a man of suffering, familiar with pain. And so that through that process that we have one who has gone before, he's very familiar with it. He's an expert in pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that he doesn't revile, that we have confidence then to go with him, uh, go to him to find grace supernatural power to stand and mercy being absolved from suffering in our time of need um, and that he welcomes us 
Yeah. He's very gentle in our process. So good. Amen. Thank you, Elijah. Yeah, my pleasure. Oh my goodness, I told you, right? It just blows my mind. Just seeing the Lord working through Elijah and, and his surrender to him is just incredible. And to think that each of us have certain gifts and personalities and talents placed in us that we could just show off God in that unique way. That's what I see in Elijah. So we're so grateful that he came on the show today. I'll link his YouTube channel and the song that I can't pronounce and everything else in the show notes. And then head to the healretreat.com. Don't forget to sign up for our next retreat happening on October 10th. Hope to see you there.